It's so funny that short-term leases are the fun part of real estate with investments now. Oh my gosh, it gets my blood going and I love it. So if your goal is to just to, to bank, you know, on average, $100, $200 a month on an investment property, then the long-term rental is the way to go. If you want to bank more money every month, short-term rental is the way to go, but you're going to have to have more expenses. And that's hard because usually once you see the growth happening, it's kind of almost too late. What is happening to property rights right now is it's insane. So welcome to the Urban Connect podcast. I'm Jennifer Oshombo, the broker owner of Urban Provision Realtors, and I'm thrilled that you're tuning in today. If you're here, chances are you're a prospective buyer, seller, or homeowner searching for clarity on the ever-changing real estate landscape here in Texas, and you've come to the right place. In each episode, we'll discuss a myriad of topics, providing you with the knowledge and tools to navigate the complex realm of real estate. From insider tips on how to prepare your home for a successful sale, to insights on the latest market trends, and everything in between, I've got you covered. So sit back, relax, get ready to take your real estate knowledge to the next level on the Urban Connect podcast. So welcome back. The desire to own real estate is frequently intertwined with the American dream, yet it's astonishing that only a fraction of Texans venture beyond owning their primary residence for other exploring investment opportunities in the world of real estate. In our next four-part episode series, we will dive into the complexities of buying real estate, whether for long-term investment, short-term investment, rental, retirement, or second home. The conversations within each episode will shed valuable insights and lend professional guidance, empowering those considering a real estate purchase beyond the primary residence to mitigate significant financial losses and avoid chaos throughout their real estate journey. I'm thrilled to present you the inaugural episode of our four-part series. In this episode, we will dive headfirst into the exciting world of real estate investment, where we will educate those listening on long-term and short-term rentals. But that's not all. So hold tight as we take you on a thrilling ride through the vibrant short-term rental industry. You'll be amazed at how city ordinances are shaking things up, but not just in the Lone Star State, but across the United States as well. We hope that after tuning in, you'll be more aware about the issues that may arise when navigating this ever-changing dynamic landscape of investment properties. So buckle up and get ready for this fun-filled adventure with us. But first, let me introduce my today's guest. So to comprehend why I invited Aaron Beeman to join me today, it's crucial to understand his background, where he comes from, and how he found his way into the real estate industry. Aaron originates from Lavernia, Texas, a small town that instilled in him a deep appreciation for warmth and a charm for small town living. After completing his education, Aaron ventured into the corporate world assuming a management position at an innovative marketing company in the bustling metroplex of Dallas. This experience provided valuable insights, but also fueled his desire to return to his small town roots. He yearned to work in, a, in an industry that allowed him to focus on providing stress-free experiences for his clients. In 2011, Aaron made a pivotal decision to earn his real estate license and join Century 21, embarking on a journey that would lead to numerous accolades and accreditations, including the prestigious Resort and Second Home Property Specialist Certification. His passion for real estate led him to align with Fredericksburg Realty in 2018 and is currently the managing broker of Berg Realty. 
Since then, Aaron has been deeply involved in the community, collaborating with different groups such as the Fredericksburg Chamber of Commerce, Leadership Gillespie County, and among others. Notably, he served as the president of the Central Hill Country Board of Realtors in, in 2022, showcasing his commitment to the industry and the region he serves. Aaron's extensive understanding and the warmth and charm of a small town life, particularly in a place like Fredericksburg, known for its tourism attractions, such as renowned peaches, stunning hill country views, vibrant downtown shopping, wineries and wedding venues, has been instrumental in his journey to advocate for and help reshape the short-term rental ordinance alongside this Fredericksburg City of Council. So Aaron, it is my pleasure to host you as a guest today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So I'm excited about this conversation because we have a lot to unpack. Oh my gosh, this is, it gets my blood going and I love it. So let's keep our listeners waiting because I'm not going to dive into a short-term rental first because I think we can spend probably 30 years talking about short-term rental. And let's talk about long-term rental because you and I both know we have clients that come to us and say, I want to invest in real estate and they don't know what they want. So when someone comes to you and it's been identified through your, you know, conversation that they're better suited for long-term or that's what they need, right? What are things that you're recommending that they do above just owning a property? Okay. I'm going to give you a little secret of mine. I, I don't know if you've heard of bigger pockets. I have. You have. That is my golden tool. Okay. So if, if they have never ever owned an investment property, I send them there. There's tons of education videos. There are tons of information there that will give them the knowledge that they need to decide if this is the right path for them or not. Once they do that, come back to me, and then we can look at, look at the avenues and the different routes to go. But I'm telling you, Bigger Pockets has changed my life from not only the real estate side, the selling real estate side of it, but the owning real estate on the other side of it. And that bigger pockets, we'll link to that in the show notes for those listening. But I think that's a wise idea because there's there's so many different like tentacles to investing in real estate. It's not just it's not just buying a home and living in it, right? If you're buying for investment and you're investing long term, you could have a tenant in the property for 10 years or three years or six months. I mean there's you know there's contracts that come in play. There's um expenses that come up that, you know, that I, I always say that I think that your investment property expenses are generally more than a, just a home primary residence because you're keeping that home buttoned up. You're taking care of it because it's yours. Right. The other thing I, I look at is what is their ultimate goal? Do they want to just break even? Do they want to put $200 in the bank every month? Do they want to bake $1,000 every month? So then I look at the different ways that you can use an investment property. And so in Fredericksburg, our hospital is, it's renowned. Everybody comes to Fredericksburg for the hospital. So I tend to look at properties that are around the hospital and say, if you buy this property, you could rent it out month to month or do a six month lease to a doctor that's moving into town mm-hmm. and, and charge a little bit more because they're you're giving them that flexibility where they're not in a year lease and they can get out whenever they find the house. And it is still a long-term lease, right? Right. So right. yeah. Yeah. And it's going to command more than just a, a 12 month lease or a 36 month lease, right? Because right. it's still short term, but not evolving Correct. every couple of days, right? Correct. Correct. 
are you seeing that the people that are looking to invest in real estate, are they having success? I mean, yes, in Fredericksburg, it sounds like they're having success with that because there's people coming into the community, right? To, to live right. long term. And you and I both know when someone moves in, they're not instantly buying tomorrow. They're like, some people want to get acclimated. Uh, I think Texas as a whole is a great market for any type of investment property right now. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you San Antonio is booming still. Austin's a little slower than it usually is, but I mean, it's still hot. It's expensive. Yeah. It's, it's expensive, expensive. But I mean, it, anywhere I think in the state of Texas is a great place to do investment right now. I've had this in my, in my career real estate, but you know, you've always had that person that says, I want to, I want to invest basically my kids are going to college. I want to buy a property they can live in when they're going to college. Right. And then maybe later I'm going to sell it. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to do a short term rental. I don't want to deal with other tenants other than my own child and their friends. Right. So this is the first time I've really had this happen where I had a client come and say, I want to buy investment property. I want it to be in a nice area, similar to what I live in, because I want my kids to have a property where they can live when they go to school, say at UT or wherever. But I also want it to be their property later. So they have a property and then they can buy now before inflation gets any worse or, you know, prices drive up any worse. And then they have a sliver of uh, ownership. Correct. And it's like, I'm gifting my kids money now. I'm buying it for them now and I'm gifting it to them now and they're not going to get any money later. I'm just going to spend my money. Yeah. I mean, that that's huge. And uh, on top of that, you've got the 1031 exchanges and stuff. Yeah. And so when you dive into that, you're giving your kids tax-free money if you do it yeah. right. So I mean, exactly. it, 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 you, you finding the right agent is essential when you're looking at investment properties. Mm-hmm. Now, I've also had, you know, buying long-term properties for college tuition. I mean, gosh, college tuition used to be so much cheaper. <laughs> yep. You know, they buy when their kid's born, they try to buy one or two properties every couple of years. And then they just allow that tenant to live in it for as long as they humanly want to, because they know they're not going to need it for a good 20 years. Yep. And then they sell off at that point. So what are you, how are you seeing other people use long-term rentals that's different than just, you know, buying a house and living in it? Well, I mean, it, it, this day and age, you've got to have millions of dollars in your retirement. So a lot of people are pulling their money out of the stock, buying that rental property with cash and using it as their retirement. That's I mean, I, ha- I have several clients that that's all they live off of is they have four rental properties. That's their monthly check that comes in and that's how they survive. Well, and I think for someone like that, you have to really look and see where the community is, is growing and evolving. And, you know, you have to have a, a really smart and f- an agent who can foresee what's coming. Like, for instance, Austin has constantly been going east to the airport, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And. What, 10, 12 years, 15 years ago, no one wanted to buy in East Austin. It was like, you're doing what? Right. Correct. But that's, that's where the city has to move. So, right. So, so having someone that can, you know, foresee where the city is growing and developing and buying in, like you said, that, you know, that's going to be my retirement. Rent's going to increase. I can buy lower. Right. So, yeah. I mean, if you look at Austin, though, Austin's growing both ways, East and West. Yes. So Dripping Springs, Dripping Springs used to be a two-lane road from Fredericksburg to to Austin, and now look at it. it's insane. It is. It is. So you got to you got to start looking outside of that. And like you got Johnson City, you've got Blanco, those small little pocket towns 
where if you're really wanting to invest, you got to look and see where that growth is going. And that's hard, right? Right to do because usually once you see the growth happening, it's kind of almost too late. I, I say that, you know, I'm, I'm picking a Central Texas because um, that's where I've been selling most. I've, I've sold in Houston a bunch as well. I'm from north, um, north of Houston, but, you know, when you see the development happening along 35 in Kyle and Butte, it's too late. You almost need to invest before when he has a sleepy McDonald's or a sleepy Burger King, right? Yes. And, and, and a Dairy Queen, right? Yes. <laughs> and then you know, that's when you invest because and going to the zoning and planning commission for I figure out what their future plan is. Right. So to yep. understand that. So the only thing that I think we haven't covered in long term is um, I call it our our northern Texans, you know, or, or winter Texans. Winter Texans. Right? Our winter Texans. They like to live in, in Texas. They like to live like south of Austin, San Antonio to the coast, right? Yep. And they come down and they're here generally, what, September through April? So kind of a short term option, but. But I mean, the, like those people, I mean, I'll use my um, Florida as an example as well. Just they, they go and live in it when they want to be here, but then they rent it out for a long-term, quote-unquote, six months when they're not here. So they're getting the benefits of using the property for when they want to, but making money off of it when they're back in their their primary state. And it would depend on the area. It would depend on the rental rates, and it would depend on, like, uh, property taxes, right? You know, if you could buy in an area that is a low enough area, the property taxes are still low enough, and... You know, sadly, we don't yet have in Texas uh, any kind of cap for investment properties. I think we're working on that, right? But we're slowly working on that. <laughs> I mean, one of, one of the communities that's big for that is New Braunfels. Because all, all of their peak is in the summer when uh, Slitterbahn and stuff is open and, and the tubing is going on. But then when that, when that peak drops off, they, they go and they use that property for themselves. They do, they do, right, right. Yeah. So I think that having, you know, something like that. But if you if you can get a low enough price point and low enough taxes because of your price point, you can almost rent it out six months and not have to do that extra four to six month lease. Yep, correct. So the only thing that that w- I think would work within that time frame of that winter Texan, you know, they're called snowboards, winter Texans. They're you know, there's northerners, you know, but would be someone who is needing to sell their house or to buy a house or they're building a house and it's going to be two or three months and they have to sell or vice versa. Right. So that I've always found that to be a good avenue for that middle of the road when you have a good six months lease. So anything else with long-term? I I think a property management company is essential. Don't try to do this on your own. Yeah, you can save a little bit of bucks on it, but a property manager will save your time, save your property as well. Yeah, because a tenant and I have, I mean, I have duplexes and most tenants aren't taking care of that property. Nope. You have to really button up your your agreements and your written agreements and your leases for them to take care of it. And just because you do it doesn't mean they're going to. I mean... You have to assume that carpet's going to come up, paint's going to happen, and the AC is probably going to be maintenance a lot more than your primary home. Correct. So, um, okay, let's get to the fun part. Um, and it's so funny that short-term leases are the fun part of real estate with investments now because it's fascinating that yeah. we've gotten yeah. there. 
But yeah, I mean, it's, it's fascinating from the revenue standpoint. It's fascinating from just owning the property. And it's fascinating from where we are with the legislation part of it as well. Yes, yes. Okay, so let's talk about the legislation part first, because I don't think a lot of people really truly understand what's happening across the board. And it's it's happening everywhere. It's not just here. In everywhere. Texas. Right. Yeah. So let's talk about that. So you have been, like I said in your bio, you have been fighting a good fight there in Fredericksburg to keep short-term rentals in place, which is needed in an area like Fredericksburg. Because if you think about it, you go to Fredericksburg to drink wine. You go to Fredericksburg for a wedding. You go to Fredericksburg to pick the peaches. You go to Fredericksburg just to see the sites, right? But if you don't have a short-term rental, where do you stay? Because the city's not big enough to have a bustling hotel, you know, metropolis. Correct. Correct. And they don't want to invite, you know, a big name in to change the landscape. Right. What is happening to property rights right now is it's insane. I don't know how this all started. I don't know if the pandemic caused it or, or what, but Airbnbs have been around for way before my time. I mean, my, the ancestors, they all, they were doing Airbnbs and weren't even calling it Airbnbs at that time. Right, right, right. I think the, the, the wake of um, social, the wake of the web has publicized them. Correct. And because if you look at Fredericksburg, that market, I mean, it was a, it was a getaway. It was a hill country getaway. And all of a sudden it's just turned into this. I don't want 10 billion people next door to my house coming in every time they, they rent it out. And it's like, that's not fair. You knew what this was when you bought this property. You knew mm-hmm. Fredericksburg was a destination. You, you can't start changing that dynamic of it because if you start changing that and moving away from having Airbnbs and B&Bs, something's got to give. Your property taxes are going to go up. Your, your, everything's going to start changing. Well, I say we can say the same thing about like any city in Austin, for example. You can't say, oh my gosh, Austin's great because we have South by Southwest and ACL not wanting to come here for a week and see it. Right. You can't leave good things to just the local residents because what makes them good are the people that come in beyond the local residents, right? And that's just with any city, any any city that has value, New Orleans, it doesn't matter, right? So Correct. So we have these city, well, not only cities, right? I don't think the city, I'm not going to hand slap a city at this point or city council or a mayor. I think it, it stems from, like you just said, from a homeowner that bought either has been a long-term homeowner or has been a new homeowner that didn't do their due diligence, right? And just bought and now is going, hey, wait, 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 we don't want this. Without yep. knowing the repercussions of what not having it causes. Right. Totally. 100%. If you look at the, the way that some towns were booming when the trains were going through them, and then when trains stopped going through them, how they died and went away, that's mm-hmm. where we're headed right now. With, with Airbnbs, if, if you start taking that away from people and not allowing them to use their property rights the way they want to, you're going to start, the, it's going to become boom towns. Santa Fe's doing that right now. Right, yeah. But you you know, your big cities won't, but your smaller cities that have been thriving on that stuff are gonna start losing that. And that's what's mm-hmm. so sad is because those those small towns were created to get away from the big cities. So from my understanding that, you know, anytime set of council changes, anytime a mayor changes, anytime there's an election, 
things like short term rentals or just topics of conversation when there's, you know, campaigning going on. Right. Yeah. It's like every four years there's something on the I'm going to change X. Right. So this happens all the time. And you and I both know from being connected to the state association, you know, that's, you know, why we have to kind of fight for what's right. So you have fought for what's right, not necessarily for you and your business, but for homeowners and for the community. Right. right? So right. talk about like a little bit about your history with kind of the ordinance change, because it wasn't like you're getting in and going, okay, everybody can be up late until midnight and we're going to piss off the neighbor next door. Like you were like, how can we cohesively play in the sandbox together? In Fredericksburg, we have ordinance set in place. So if you if your trash is out longer than it should be, if it's overflowing, if you if there's noise ordinance, if there's a lights issues, whatnot, there are repercussions for those. Right. And in, in, in Fredericksburg, those weren't being enforced. And so property owners are thinking that they're being enforced, but then they're trying they're seeing all this stuff happen. And so they're fighting it because they say that it's ruining the town. If, if the city would put ordinances in place, and there's, there's some that have done fantastic jobs of this, mm-hmm. but put things in place and follow them, implement them. You know, the, the, the key is a, getting a good property manager to manage your property to make sure that you don't have, you know, a six, not, like 10 people in one house that should only have four. Mm-hmm. And that they're not, that they're not having loud parties, that they're not, turning lights on at night, you know, having a, a good property manager is, it's one of the key essentials when you're doing a short-term rental, get away from the Airbnb, get away from the VRBO because, because there's nobody there to make sure that you you are, you're following the rules like you should. No. And I've said this countless times. I said this earlier today is Airbnb, VRBO, booking.com. It doesn't matter the name of the company on the domain name, right? They take care of the, themselves. Right. At the end of the day, they're not taking care of the homeowner or the neighbor next door. The property manager is the one that is dotting the I's, crossing the T's, making sure that neighbor next door is the happiest keeper in the world and that short-term rental can continue. Yep. So um, you said you didn't want to pick on Fredericksburg, and I agree. You know, this is happens at the coast. It happens at Rockport, uh, Puerto Aransas. It happens in Napa, in California, right? Yep. It's happening in Florida. Yeah, it's happening in Florida. I mean, it happens in Florida all, I mean, Miami, any coastal city in Florida, right? Happens in um, Destin. So it happens everywhere, right? So, okay. So the short-term rental conversation came up, right? And it sounds like the, the local association, and at that time you were the chair, right? Got wind of it was going to happen. And uh, sounds like you aligned with the tech state association to really uh, sounds from what I read inform the city on why the ordinance couldn't be stripped or or we couldn't get t- tw- take twenty steps back. We need to improve it and adopt and move forward. I mean, that's as, as Texas realtors. That's the dues that we pay to Texas Association of Realtors. Or, sorry, it's not even Texas Association of Realtors anymore. It's just Texas Realtors. The dues that we pay to them give us support. And there's a lot of realtors that don't realize that. Mm-hmm. And that's another key to when you're trying to buy, you know, an investment property is getting a realtor that understands the market and knows what's going on and is, and is invested in it 
because they're going to tell you what you can and what you can't do. But then back to your, your thing is Texas Realtors with there's they're huge support. They are going to get, they're going to give you advice. They're going to say, here's, here's what's happening all over the state here. And here's where there's lawsuits that are happening with short-term rentals. So they're a wealth of, of knowledge. There's these areas that the ordinance was written, what, 10, 12, 15 years ago when then short-term rentals became super popular, right? right. And then there were um, times where the, the city had written so many registration approvals that they put a moratorium and saying, unless you are living in the property and renting a room out, you can't even think about this. And right. I mean, there's probably three, maybe four condos in Austin that allow short-term rent- r- rentals. So the minute that that one of those properties comes on the market, they fly off the shelf because there's so few of them, right? So I think there's a time and place for short-term rentals, but I also think that there needs to be almost like a standard set of rules across the board. It's yes, not just our Texas rules. It's like go to a traditional, like old school, you know, resort town and go, okay, wh- how did you make your neighbor next door who hates everyone happy with your ordinance? Yep. And that's the ordinance that could work for across the board. <laughs> it, it could work for every state. Yes. Yeah. It could work for every state. Um, okay. So short-term rentals. You have a client coming in town. They want to invest. They're not sure if they want to do long-term or short-term. What conversations are you having with these these potential buyers about besides, you know, sending them off if they want to invest? But like once you've, you've sent them off, they've done their research and they're coming back and you're having those deep conversations about should you really be a short-term rental owner versus not? Let's start there. So, um, I mean, I had a client a couple years ago that, that said, you know, they have a property in town in Fredericksburg that's a long-term rental. And they said, okay, our lease is, is coming up and it's about to expire. Should we turn it into a short-term rental property? My thing is, what are your goals? How much money do you want to be producing off of this property? How much headache do you want to have? Do you want to turn it over to a property manager and let them control it? Um, I think the goals need to be set before you start looking. Mm-hmm. And so if your goal is to just to, to bank, you know, on average, $100, $200 a month on, a, on an investment property, then, then that short, the long-term rental is the way to go. If you mm-hmm. want to bank more money every month, short-term rental is the way to go, but you're going to have to have more expenses then. You're going to have right. advertising costs. You're going to have your property management costs. You're going to have all types of, of costs associated to it, cleaning costs. So I think the goals are, are your, your first thing that you need to figure out. When there's cost involved, you also need to have assets. That Because I know a couple of short-term rental owners that, you know, list through either property management company or like one of the services we've recommended. And, you know, they've had to replace an AC more often or they've had to replace linens often or they've had to... You know, there's something happens. The ordinance comes up and says you have to do this now. Or you know, there's right. something that gets in their way of them renting their property. They have to take out their checkbook or they have to write or their credit card and they have to pay. And then they're not able in that time when they're doing whatever to rent their property out. So I've always said to someone, how much money do you really have in reserve? Because it's a, it's a intended for to make you money, but it could sideline you and you could be spending money. And not making it. 
Yeah. So, I mean, your goal and then how much money do you have in reserve? Those two, I think, are important to know because if you don't have a whole lot in the reserve, let's go the, let's go the long-term route. Your long-term rentals are going to be a lot less expensive on a monthly basis than your short-term rentals will. But your short-term rentals are going to produce a heck of a lot more every month. So if you've got the money and you've got the time, go that route. Now, someone buying, and this is just kind of food for thought, when you're buying, you're going down and you're, let's say you're under contract. I mean, you're, you, this is where using a a really experienced agent comes into play because you're a really experienced agent going to know this property, this community doesn't allow for short-term rentals because they're experienced, right? But if you're navigating it with someone who's not experienced, right? Let's just say, let's say I, I don't sell in Fredericksburg, right? Let's say I'm coming in, I have a client because I'm like, oh, I have a client who wants to go to Fredericksburg and they want to do short-term rental. And I drive out to 290 and I come in the city and I'm showing them around and I don't know what I'm talking about, right? But I, I can sell real estate, right? So I'm thinking they will deal with the short-term rental after I'm done. I mean, that's how real estate happens a lot. And it's sad and unfortunate. But that buyer needs to really understand every aspect of that transaction. And it's not just the contract, it's the bylaws and the HOA, you know, the ordinance. And they have to read and understand. I mean, there's certain communities that you can buy a brand new home and you can't rent it out for right you can't rent it for seven years or three years or ever you know so yeah i mean that's you you hit it on the nail getting an experienced agent in your pocket if you're going to start investing get that agent and stick with that agent if they're good and they should know the ins and outs of the city they should know what's going on at the city council they should know what's going on at the local board they should know what's going on in the county, even though they, the, it may, the B&B may not be in the county. They need to know what's going on in the county. They need to know businesses coming to town. They need to know what's happening. You know, the events, they need to be, they need to be connected. No, they do. They do. You know, that's why I always say that, you know, it's unfortunate and we will live in a huge state and you and I both license in the state and technically we can sell anywhere, but we're not doing a service to our clients when we do. Let's talk about fees because that's a big piece of it, right? I mean, that's what a, the average person coming into it, all they see is they see dollar signs are going to be getting in, but they don't, they don't really, it's almost like putting it in a spreadsheet, right? Mentality. They don't think the, the, the backwards mentality of putting it in every, everything in the spreadsheet and going backwards, but I'm sure there's some fees that, a long-term investor will not have, but a short-term investor will. Now, property management's one of those, right? But what are some of those fees that a short-term investor is going to incur either more often or incur that a long-term investor won't? Permit fees. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have that right off the bat because you're going to have to have a, a Airbnb permit. Um, you're going to have cleaning fees because you're going to either have the Either the property management company has a cleaning service or you're going to have to hire one outside of it. You're going to have to have Wi-Fi because everybody wants to stay connected when you're there. You're going to have to have internet, I mean, uh, television. Um, so you, you're going to have to have pretty much everything that you would have when you have in your own home, but you don't, you're not using it for your primary residence. So there, there's a lot more fees. 
So would it be smart to say that for someone that's not assuming, let's say they're not buying a property that was once, they're not buying a fully furnished Airbnb property, right? That they're going to have to furnish that property with like not top of the line, but not bottom of the barrel. Right. Finishing. Washable. 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 (laughs) (laughs) I'm not kidding you. I, Ikea washable sofas and, and chairs and stuff is it, it will save you money. <laughs> Don't go to Pottery Barn. <laughs> no. You can get just as nice of stuff if you get something at Ikea that's washable. <laughs> because that's going to go to your expenses later when you have to replace that because someone's kid jumped on it or someone spilled red wine on the white couch or... <laughs> Yep. I, mean, I laugh, but you're right. I mean, it's a rental. People are coming and going. They're on vacation. They're not thinking about living in it. They're not protecting it like you protect your home. I mean, you and I both probably stayed at Airbnbs. Yeah. You're I'm on vacation. A week. <laughs> you're on vacation. You're not your normal self. So it's not like they're maliciously taking advantage of your property, but alcohol gets involved. And I was going to say, how do that people are drunk, right? Because they're on vacation. <laughs> Or just carelessness, just not thinking gets involved because at your own house, I would probably spill tea or something on my couch and be like, oh, let's go clean it up. But at at an Airbnb, they're like, oh, it's not mine. I don't have to worry about it. So, I mean, it's, yeah, just the mentality is. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's on vacation usually at Airbnb. Yeah, it's a vacation mode uh, mentality. It's like it's like everybody's what um, it, Jimmy Buffett, Margaritaville. Like everybody's yes. like just having a blast, right? Yes. Um, but it doesn't mean that all Airbnb tenants are bad, right? No, no, it, no. it's not right because some are good. Like I mean, I have stayed in plenty of my fair share in Airbnbs, and when I leave, it doesn't look like we ever lived in the place, right? It's spick and span. You could eat off the floors, right? Everything's washed. Even though I know clean crews coming in, I'm washing those puppies and folding them like they folded it whenever I showed up, right? Yeah. Because I know that I'm going, I'm going to have to go online and rent elsewhere. I don't want someone Airbnb saying that I'm horrible, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, my partner gets so mad. He gets so mad at me because I will take and put all the towels in one pile, put all the, I will pull all the sheets off of the, the, the bed and put, the pillowcases off the bed. He's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, you don't understand that these little things that you do when you're leaving will actually make everybody's life a whole lot easier. So, okay. So expenses. Okay. So in a normal home, it doesn't, you're buying a home, you're going to live in it, right? Seasonally, you have expenses. So your AC has to be serviced, right? Your water heater has to be serviced occasionally. And that happens when you just buy it for your own house. Correct. But when you buy it with a tenant in it, whether it be long term or short term, those um, times that you have to have those service happen more frequently. So, like, you know, a short term rental, I assume that ASUs come up more often than they do in a even long term rental with a tenant who just doesn't really care about the place. They're just there to right. pay the rent. Someone else is taking care of it. Well, that's where I mean, that's where coming to getting a good property manager, so that way. You as the homeowner don't have to worry about it. And I truly suggest, even if you're doing a short-term or long-term, you get that AC serviced every quarter. I mean, there, there, are, there are services that you can sign up for for minimal money. And you just they will come in, make sure that that's working properly. That will save you a heartache in the long run. Get, get mm-hmm. your wa- water heater drained and serviced quarterly is another huge one. So either, if you're doing either one of them, 
those are two things I would just put on the books that you're going to have done no matter what. Would you take it a step further and say, hey, listener, if you're going to be buying a property, you're going to be short-term renting it. Yes, have these and these big appliances serviced on a quarterly basis. But when that AC company or that plumbing company comes out and says, X, Y, Z need to be fixed, don't try to lump it along. Like right. fix it in right. the moment or replace it in the moment. Because I can't imagine being in Texas and having, I mean, our neighbors on the street, their AC went out like two days ago. They get two small children. Like it's 108 degrees outside. Mm-hmm. Nobody on vacation wants that. Nope. Yeah. Servicing. I mean, it, a home warranty would be almost another ideal thing for $500 a year, getting that home warranty to cover any appliances that go crazy too. Mm-hmm. Well, I will say this. Um, and I say this cause I am, I invest in real estate myself, but I am going to promote a home warranty company from the state of Texas for this, because I believe that when you are an investor or a homeowner, you like your people, right? You, you like your service providers. You don't, you don't want to use whoever the home warranty company sends out because they're right. going to send out just some Joe, Joe Smo. You don't know how long they've been fixing ACs or whatever, or what they're going to tell you. They're just there to get their fee and go along. There's a company called Chosa Home Warranty. They don't employ any kind of um, service providers. They don't contract with any. What happens is most of their plans have a limit that you could go up to. And it's kind of like almost mirrors every other plan on the uh, planet. But when you have a claim, you go, I have a claim. They go, okay, call. Call your favorite AC guy. Have that person come to the property have him call us, tell us what the problem is, and then we'll just cover it. Yeah. Because that guy's the expert. We're not going to employ a bunch of these people or contract with a bunch of people. So I believe someone in this capacity would align perfectly with the Chosa because they can use their favorite, regarded, respected person. If if you're if you're a homeowner or if you're an investor who's choosing not to go the property management route your property management company is going to have their own people probably on staff right that are going out and fixing things or they are aligning with reputable companies but if you're choosing not to make sure you have a warranty company that you can use your own people all the time yep and have a list for everybody you need yes and vet them often (laughs) yes i mean like all the time because if you haven't used your electrician and you may have used him 10 years ago or five years ago, he may not be good anymore or he may or be retired now. or be retired. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So Airbnb, uh, let's say short-term rentals. Um, I, I understand the, the concept of like promoting it on every, you know, Airbnb, VRBO, most properties are cross, you know, marketed. Right. For someone that is starting from scratch, has never done this before, you're in the business, you understand it. Like, are you guiding them to hire the property manager or let the property manager put it on their site, cross market it? Like, what is the the biggest advantage to the homeowner? Let's say ABC Property Management Company is a big property management company. They have their own website, do their own contracts and promote and, you know, secure just like a a VRBO or Expedia or whatever it is. Right. So would you suggest to someone who's never gone down the path of short-term rentals to exclude one of those well-known 
short-term rental sites and only use the property management's site site to broadcast, button up the contracts, you know? Yep. And, 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 she, and okay, you're saying yes and you're shaking your head. So like, tell me why you say that. And I know what you're going to say, but I want the listener to hear why you're going to say that. So the, that property management company should know everything that's going on with, with the legislation. They should know what's happening locally and state and nationally. So that's, that's my first takeaway from it because they're going to keep you, they're going to keep you and your property safe. If something changes, they're going to, oh, they should alert you. And if they don't, then they're not a good property management company. Two, nine times out of 10, when you're going to some of these destinations, I, for one, will call the chamber of commerce and get information, get events that are happening, get where to stay, what to do, where to eat. And that the, the chamber of commerce will point you nine times out of 10 to those local property management companies. Three, the property management company, if they're local, will promote your property more on Google than I think Airbnb and, and, and VRBO and those other platforms. I think there's a lot of advantages. I could probably go on for days about them. Just the fact that they're, if they are a local property management company, they are trying their, their best to make you money because it makes them money. True. What I've seen recently, and I saw this, I'm, I'm about to leave. We're going to the beach a couple of weeks. And this is the second time I've seen this where I could see the property on a property manager's website and on one of the three short-term rental sites, right? So when I went in to secure it, I could secure it either place. Let's say I secured it on one of the property um, short-term rental sites. Then the requirement was still to sign off on a property management agreement on top of what I was being asked to electronically click and sign. And I was, in addition to what I paid to hold the property or pay for the property on this national site, I then had to send additional funds to to cover some of those additional fees. It was almost like they were using the national site as a piggyback onto their site, right? But I could also have just gone with the property management site and avoided that, right? Yep. So the latest one didn't didn't have that, but they were using the national site. They didn't have their own big robust site, right? For right, for right. marketing. So they were using the other one, but they had this extra layer. But the agreement that I signed was so buttoned up. It was like, and this is going to say, I'm exaggerating here, right? You breathe, you get kicked out, right? Uh, it, yeah. wasn't, it wasn't like that. But it was like, this is a retirement community. People live here. You're, you know, it had all these rules, which was great because you get that on these national sites, but you don't get that layer of yeah. making sure you're dotting your eyes, crossing your T's, and keeping everybody happy. Yeah, no, that one hundred percent. If you look at the platforms for Airbnbs, they're a lot like the platforms for residential real estate. You don't know who to trust and who not to trust. That's another. That's another key to using a property management company and their website. Are they legit? Is that really what the house looks like when I get there? You don't know, and you can the the reviews and everything. You can buy reviews nowadays, and mm -hmm. so uh, having somebody that actually knows the property, seeing the property, and knows that it's legit is is a huge take for me. Because with with our real estate 
residential real estate websites, there's so many fake rentals on there that people call me a constant and say, is this property really for rent? I'm like, no, that's, that's a spam. That's, that's not legit. So I I think those, it, it is. And so I think that's part of the other key is they will know that it's a reputable property and that it's legit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you have problems, you're going directly to the property management company within your term of, of renting. Um, and you know that you're, as an owner, you know that your tenant is being served, right? Right. With the alternative, if you're not having a property management company, you're the one having to battle that and take right. care of that. Right. I mean, there's a lot to consider when you're going to. Oh, yeah. I mean, church or rental. Your, your cap rate, I think cap rate is going to be huge. And for those of you that don't know, it's, it's, it's how much money are you going to be pushing out on this property expense wise? And how much are you going to be gaining is going to be your cap rate. And you're, you don't want your cap rate to be under 5% because if it's under 5%, you're not making money. So you, you want your cap rate to be a large number um, if you're doing a short-term rental or long-term rental. And so that's a, that's another thing to look at is, and there's calculators out there that will give you those numbers. And when you do buy and you hold on to it for five years, then you can figure out what your cap rate should be to sell that property. So if you're producing 10% cap rate, it will tell you that what your home is really worth then to sell it for. So that, that's another key is, is looking at your cap rate, getting that calculator out there knowing that information. We talked about a little on the front end about using a realtor who is in the community, is vested, understands, is you know connected, is present, right? In the community right. that you're buying in. But let's do a spin on when you're selling an Airbnb property or a short-term rental property, the marketing and the understanding of all of that needs to come into play. And, and for me, it's marketing, more than anything that needs to, to shift and change a little bit. Correct. So I had, so I had a property, I had a property listed right when all of this um, change was going on in Fredericksburg. And so they changed it to where you couldn't have Airbnbs in an R1 unless there's certain exceptions that were going on in, in that area. And I would get multiple phone calls from agents outside of our market, which is not a bad thing. But they don't understand. They just knew that Fredericksburg was a destination for Airbnbs. And so they would call me and say, we, we, my client wants to use this as an Airbnb. And I'd be like, you can't. Well, why can't you? Well, here's, here's the link to the ordinance. Go and read it. Educating people on why you can't do things with a certain property is key. Mm-hmm. Don't just, I think you can't just tell people this is, you can't do it here because of this reason. Give them the information. Give them the data so that way they understand what's going on. When you're marketing properties that, and I'm going back to hiring hiring an agent that is serving you in the capacity you need to be served, but when you're marketing a property that is a short-term rental, are you marketing it in a very different way than you're marketing a property that is not a short-term rental in terms of uh, exposure to other areas they may draw in other for instance you know I have a friend who's in South Haven Michigan his buyers that come in come in from Chicago Wisconsin Indiana like they come in from different areas they're not local they're not typically looking at the MLS in South Haven Michigan but they're they're coming in from these major areas so when he's marketing he's marketing to these targeted areas so as a agent who is taking on a listing of a short-term rental in, in Texas, should your agent be 
anteing up and, and doing more in the marketing front as far as beyond just putting it on and, and syndicating it? Five years ago, yes. Today, no. Okay. And the reason I say that is because the ordinances are changing daily. So today we could be able to have an Airbnb and an R2. And a month from now, those ordinances may change. Yeah, you never know. You never know. So I, I am not listing any house as an Airbnb or potential Airbnb at this moment. I did five years ago, six years, 10 years ago. Yes. We put it all the time in, in the remarks that this is a great Airbnb. This is a great air, short-term rental property. Today, I not to get my, my sellers in trouble, I am not doing that. Well, and it's because you... It's because your seller is registered and approved, but the next owner may not be. Correct. Correct. And so that's that's where it's... Some people are still advertising homes as short-term rentals, and I, I get scared for them all the time because it's like, yeah, but if they buy a million-dollar property that's a short-term rental today, that could go away tomorrow. Yeah. And you've advertised it. It's kind of yeah. one of the reasons why some of the Florida um, MLSs took schools out of their MLS because school boundaries change so often, right? It's up Correct. to the consumer to do the due diligence to see if it what is zoned for. Or, so, or your agent to give you that data. Exactly. So, so yeah, so that's a good, you know, tip is when you have a rental and you're looking to sell it, make sure that your agent's not over committing something that you could be liable for later. Correct. Because liability is huge yeah. in our industry. It, it is. And, and, and it affects everybody. And so you just have to be careful as a, as a broker, as an agent, you just have to be careful the way that you present the property. You, once you get somebody in there, you can, that is interested in it. You can give them, here's your options. You could do a short-term rental right now, but if, if we keep going the way we're going, that, that could change tomorrow. So be prepared. Let's do a short-term rental today. If it changes, let's put it into a long-term rental, but we're not going to sit there and say it's a short-term rental only property. It's hard for me to build the sentence because I always have to think about like our state legislature can come in at any point and put a kibosh on everything and take out everything a city's done in the past or, or come out with a, a blanket approval across the board. You never know what's going to happen in a future legislative session or, you know, with a future governor or senators. You just never know what's going to happen. You never know. You, you never know. And that you, you brought great segue to if you are going to get into the investment spectrum, whether it be short term or long term, have a good attorney in your pocket. A good attorney that understands real estate. It's, it's going to be key to you. Even though you may not use them, get to know them, make sure that they understand everything, but keep them in your pocket. So that way, if something comes up, they can fight for you because mm -hmm. you, you, property rights are, are on the board for everybody. It's not just Texas. It's across the, the, the states, but there are attorneys fighting like crazy to protect your property rights. That's true. That's true. Now, I know, we'll end with this. I know that you are licensed in two states, right? You're licensed in Florida, you're licensed in Texas. We've been talking about a lot about Texas, but I want to kind of give a glimpse of what, like, rentals, buying a property for investment purposes in Texas and how it varies from 
from what you've seen, right? You know, you're coming, you're in the Florida area, right? I kind of have some understanding of some other states and we don't want to dive too deep, but like, what are those investors that are coming in from out of state that you're seeing that they're most um, surprised by or don't do enough research on? Ordinances is what people don't do enough research on. They don't, okay. they don't realize because they think that once you buy a property, it's yours. You can do what you want to with it as long as you're not selling you know, illegal stuff out of it. And it's not a commercial property inside residential. People don't understand ordinances. That's, that's my key is getting, if you really want it, either you get dive into the ordinances or you find an agent that understands that between Texas and Florida, it's pretty much the same. Florida has a little bit more restrictions on B and B's and what you can and can't do with them. So um, you can have a house and you can rent it out three times for less than seven days. After that, it has to be for 30 days or longer. So the, there's there's some differences, and it just varies by areas that you go to. Destin, if you go to Destin, they love B&Bs because that's what the town's built on. Right. Um, but if you go to a, a smaller town like Tampa or you go to or Orlando, Orlando's built on B&Bs. Tampa's mm-hmm. not really built on B&Bs. St. Petersburg is, has some B&Bs. So it just not depends. A right. Not a ton. But it just depends on where you're at and, and, and the location. And again, it goes back to getting an agent that's educated. So the only thing that I think I'll toss in is the misunderstanding with just property ownership in Texas is how wildly that the property taxes sway. I mean, it could be the property taxes in this neighborhood are 1.9%, but this neighborhood, you know, across the street and across the highway is 2.5 or almost 3%, right? Yep. And that comes into play with, you know, budgeting and finances and understanding where you're going to be. So, you know, California, Florida have kind of very similar tax bases, kind of yep. how they're taxed, right? Yep. Um, some, you know, some have state income taxes. We don't, right? But we have this property tax, which, you know, our state legislature's trying to take school taxes out of. That's kind of like the governor's big push you know i don't know if it's the right thing to do long term right because i think that you get into this mentality of the 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 wealthy of paying for the load of you know services for people you know the people who can barely make ends meet are not going to spend a lot right so is proper and right now that's what we have right so right. I, I think that's one big eye-opening kind of just in purchase in general but that high tax rate kind of really affects, you know, your profitability. Right. And and that you another point to your you're talking there is if you do have a short term rental, it is classified in some areas as a different tax property rate. So in Fredericksburg, you're taxed on that you, you got your base property taxes, then you're taxed on it because it's a short term rental. So your property taxes go up. So that's another thing you have to look at and, and people need to realize is some p- some places may charge you more to have a short-term rental versus a, a long-term rental. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you don't really know that until you get into the weeds of it. Correct. And that's where if you go to bigger pockets, bigger pockets has an actual calculator in there that you can put in. If it's, if, if you have a monthly payment on it, you can put in there, you can put in your property taxes, you can put in your insurance, you can put in all your expenses and it will come out and tell you if you're going to come out in the red or the black. And that's good. I mean, a lot of people don't even do that. I mean, 
I am baffled and blown away by people who buy real estate for the sake of owning it, thinking, well, I'm only going to live in it four or five years, but then I'll just lease it later. But that buyer on the front end never looks at rental rates. They never see historical data. They never know how a community is performing or not performing, what developments, commercial commercial development drives residential growth. Lack of commercial development makes, you know, it go the opposite direction. So I'm just baffled by someone who say, I'm going to buy a property just to live in it. In three to five years, I'm going to then move and bit, then buy big, but just lease this out. And then maybe I'll Airbnb it or maybe I'll short-term lease it. But then they don't realize at that point that they can't because they're not in the in the black at that point. They're in the red. Right. And they didn't think right. that through on the front end. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a young couple that bought a home for me um, in Bernie. And before we even started looking, I said, okay, what is your end goal? Are you going to stay in Bernie? What You're younger than I am. Can I give you some advice? Because they wanted to go out and build a brand new home, $600,000. They could, they could afford to do that. And I'm like, let's rethink this. You, you've got one child. You don't need a huge home right now. Buy small. We bought them a $350,000 home. Hold on to it for three, five years. Pay, pay that mortgage down. Use that as your rental property. Buy it in five years. We're going to buy you a bigger house that you want. But then that house that you just bought is going to help pay for that other house. Right. And, and that's where I, I sit down with my clients. I get to know my clients. It's not just a quick sell. It's not just a, I'm here to make money. I, I would do this job if I was getting paid $10 an hour because I love it so much. Mm-hmm. But sitting down with your clients and saying, hey, what is your goal? This is where you're at in life. Let me give you some advice. On some on something I wish somebody would have told me, mm-hmm. and either and either that that's for them or it's not for them. Yeah, it, I mean it happens far too often. I think it happens far too often with someone who is. Um, I had this come up last year, and this couple came from Chicago. They, you know, Chicago is, is prevalent to have, you know, um, duplexes, triplexes, fourplexes. You know, in Texas, we get a good duplex occasionally we'll get a fourplex, but it's not a fourplex that I'm going to live in, right? It's a fourplex that I'm going to rent out to someone that I'm probably not going to live by. I mean, because my standard quality is a different standard quality, right? So when I told them, you're going to be looking at duplexes. And then the, the next exchange happened where they had to basically earn so much on the extra side. Okay. Well, I think it was like $2,000. Well, they're buying like a one point, four million dollar property oh you only need to earn two thousand dollars on the extra side well what happens if you decide to move back to chicago and you don't want to sell this or can't sell this because you don't know what the market's going to be performing when you decide to leave and you need to rent it well each side was getting three thousand well their mortgage ended up being because they weren't putting down a lot of money eight thousand dollars a month they were already two grand in the hole okay so so I'm like, wait, wait, wait a minute. Oh, anyway, we didn't end up moving down that path because behind them, they were building this monstrosity that would, you know, hinder their view. So I was like, you're not buying this. So I'm not even going to go down the path of telling you what you need to rent this out for to break even, right? <laughs> or to make your $2,000 a month. Um, because you're not going to even buy it because now you can't see downtown because the three-story building behind you is going to be built in a year. 
But a lot of people don't think through the what ifs. So they're like, oh, I'm just going to buy this because then I can rent this over here. But this is not sustainable for you to ever have profit, ever. And you're limiting your potential on selling it later because unless someone puts a massive amount of money down, they're going to be in the same situation you did. Right. Yeah. I so, mean, it's... Yeah. You looking at the market and just figuring the the market is is going to be key because if and also where you're at if you're a first time investor you should not be buying anything expensive it should be it should be your entry level get you started get your feet wet to make sure that this is what you want to do if if you're experienced yeah go buy a million dollar piece of property and get that income coming in because you don't need it at that time you don't need to live on one side of it and so I think it's just getting the goals of your clients and getting them figured out which route they want to go. That's true. That's true. Well, I I will wrap with this because this is something I always love to do on a, a evolving basis. So when I say these next words, know that they always evolve. So if you want to always ask me what my new answer, you can always find me and you will be able to find Aaron at the end of this episode as well to ask him his evolving answer because I'm going to ask him. So, Aaron, and I will answer my answer first, but Aaron, the question is, where are you suggesting that your Texas-based investors consider investing in the state of Texas right now, whether it be long-term or short-term investing? And I can go first if you want. Okay. To give you some time to think. So, where I'm right now, Austin's too expensive Unless you have a lot of money to throw into a big down payment, um, rates are high right now, right? So the hill country is expensive as well. So um, San Antonio is an, a good area because of the heavy military population and a constant tenant pool for a long-term tenant. The only thing that um, someone who's looking to invest in uh, that kind of area needs to understand is anytime a member of the military gets deployed overseas, regardless if their spouse is going or not, if they're married, you have to let them out of your lease. That's a requirement. So um, there's a, if someone does deploys and the, the individual or the family leaves, there's generally another serviceman or woman there to want to take on the lease because they don't want to live on base. Um, so that, and the prices are still affordable and taxes are still affordable. And rents are still relatively high because the quality of life down there is in the areas they're wanting to live in. The other area I suggest is anywhere north of Montgomery County. So north of Houston, north of like, like Conroe to Huntsville. And the reason why I suggest that is because oil and gas has now made a prominence in the woodlands. And every oil and gas company has made the biggest investment into um, office space there in the woodlands and up the 45 corridor. They are building like crazy people, master plan communities and areas that I remember cows eating, you know, grass on the side of the road and thinking no one could ever live here. So again, high rent because it's accessibility to Houston and Dallas and also um, the desirability of oil and gas that has infiltrated our state. Mm -hmm. So those are my two. Short-term rental as a gamble. I, I, like you just said, you never know. 
I mean, you never know. I, w- I would invest outside the state, but th- that's me. I, I agree with you on that 100%. So for my investing in Texas, it's going to be, it's going to caveat with your San Antonio. Seguin. Seguin. Seguin's a quiet little sleepy town still. It, it is close enough to the big cities that you can get away and you can it go is. and work there and see uh, Johnson City in between mm-hmm. Fredericksburg and, and Austin. That's a hot spot. Bernie, uh, Bernie's hot spot. Bernie's a little expensive, but it's still hot for investment. Um, and Blanco. Yes. Luling as well. Luling is hot too. Oh, it has to. Austin has to move that direction. Yeah. It's that, that Southeast corridor is going to just radically change in the next 10 years. It has to. I was reading, um, and again, it's hard to, it's hard to believe what you read online, but there was this um, publication and this and prediction that by year 2100, I won't be here, but 2100, that Austin, Dallas, and Houston, Austin will be number one, Houston, Dallas will be number two or three, whichever, taking out New York and, and Los Angeles. We'll have 22 million people in the Austin area. So to get to that level, you have to invade Lockhart. You have to invade all these other areas. You can't build in Austin vertically yep. to do that. You and I have been in this business long enough that we've seen from San Antonio to Austin where you yes. used to go and drive that that corridor on 35 and it was like, oh, this is farmland. This is so pretty. This is great. Now it's all connected. No, you can't really tell the difference. You don't you don't know where Austin stops and San Marcos starts. Correct. And so that whole that whole corridor's changed from from Austin north is changing. So you got it's gotta go east and it's gotta go west. It does. It does. I didn't think of Seguin, but you know, it reminds me when I was younger and living in the Houston area, there was a, um, she was weather. No, she was traffic. She did the traffic. Her husband had a, um, a helicopter and she lived in Seguin and her husband would fly her into work with a helicopter every day because she got in a helicopter every day for work to, to drive around and talk about the traffic mm-hmm. for the radio station. Yeah. So they invested in a helicopter and she was, she was flown to work every day. But yeah, yeah. But people drive from Seguin and Houston all the time. They drive to Houston or, to or Sugarland. San Antonio. Or, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Austin. So you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you mirror me too with um, probably investing outside the state. Oh, for, for, short, for term. short term, for short term. Yeah. Yes. 100%. I mean, yeah. I, if, if I had some disposable income, right. Or, or cash right now, I would be buying in Destin. Um, I'd probably buy some things in, in Orlando. The, I mean, those two destinations are always going to be hot. And so mm-hmm. the, the, and, and Orlando is so inexpensive right now. Yeah. You can, you can buy some good investment. I mean, I had just wrote a contract the other day for a guy uh, just north of Orlando, three bedroom, two bath, 1800 square foot house for three twenty five. Oh, right. That's, uh, that's nothing. Yeah. yeah. Now, I, I would do outside of Texas for a short-term rental. I think that there are other destinations that would command a bigger price and desirability, more of a longer-term, like, short-term destination. Right, yeah. Well, Aaron, I I genuinely thank you because, I mean, I enjoyed this conversation. Um, I, I knew that when we connected that you would be... Um, an asset to other listeners within Texas. You know a lot about the short-term rental, long-term rental investing in the state. So I, I 
Thank you. Well, thank you for having me. So if you should have any questions for Aaron, um, his contact information will be um, included in the show notes. And then any kind of the websites that we've talked about today will be listed there as well as links um, to reference. Um, But I'd like to express my sincere gratitude and to all of our listeners, whether you're listening to us from the comfort of your own home or on the go, I hope that today's episode of Urban Connect has been informative and valuable to you. If you've enjoyed the show, I would be grateful if you would consider to follow, subscribe to the podcast and uh, your support helps us reach a wider audience and grow the Urban Connect community. If you have comments or questions about today's episode, please feel free to contact me directly at jenniferurbanconnectpodcast.com. I value and appreciate your feedback, and I'm always open to hearing your thoughts and suggestions. Until next time, I am Jennifer Archambault, and I look forward to connecting with you again on the next episode of Urban Connect.